Welcome to the Rec Parenting Podcast. I am Anna, the founder and CEO of Rec Parenting. Today, we talk with Carrie Frex. Carrie is a British-born TV and radio journalist, podcaster, writer, and entrepreneur based in Barcelona. Carrie is not one to sit and moan, so when feeling lonely as a new mom while living abroad, she decided to take matters in her own hands and created Mom Abroad, a wonderful online platform connecting expert parents, or to use the term she prefers, immigrant parents. In our conversation, Carrie shares her experience raising her two kids in a country that is not her own, and all the difficulties, challenges, and benefits that it brings along. This episode will really resonate with those of you raising expert kids. Enjoy the episode. Carrie, it's lovely to have you here with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So just by, you know, looking at your website, uh, you are British-born, right? Spanish resident, TV and radio journalist, podcaster, events host, moderator, writer, blogger, content creator, founder of Mama Broad, and a mother, right? So <laughs> I'm I'm exhausted just by reading everything that you, that you do, right? I'm very keen in finding out your journey. How did you start, you know... What are the things uh, of all the things you do? Your passion, the things that you like like the most, uh, and really, yeah, talk us through your journey up to here, basically. Yeah. Oh, when I hear that list, it's um, <laughs> it's quite exhaustive, isn't it? But I'm very much a fan of having a portfolio of mini careers. That you know, life changes so rapidly these days. I like the idea of being able to utilize skills that you've learned along the way in, in, in as many different ways as possible because it keeps the fire in the belly. Well, for me, it certainly does. And I think the days are gone where you have just one job for life. Um, you know, we're constantly changing. And I was lucky enough to study journalism, which has great skills for a whole host of different uh, you know, jobs and careers. Uh, so I started, well, I studied languages, which is how I fell in love with Spain because I spent um, several months living in Madrid. Mm. Then I went back to live in Barcelona and taught English for a year. But I had a place at uh, doing a postgraduate for journalism. But in my heart, I always knew I was going to return and live back in Barcelona one day. I absolutely fell in love with it. And I'm still in love with it. It's a fantastic city. So I trained to be a journalist. I'll try and keep this short. Um, trained to be a journalist, started in radio, worked in radio for about five years in London. Then I moved on to work for uh, the BBC, uh, ITV, which is the independent television company in England, and Sky. And I became a news and sports journalist. And I did that for about 15 years. And a uh, long story short about how I got here, I ended up sitting next to a charming young man at a wedding who also was in love with Spain. And I threw it out to him that we should just go and, and live there and try it out. And so we did. You know, it was one of those situations where we'll try it for a year. Here we are 20 years later in Barcelona with two kids, two cats and a dog uh, and loving it. So that 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 in short is my journey. But it's 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 had its challenges. It sounds like it's all fun and and, you know dancing and things but it's, it hasn't been as straightforward as that no it never is right yeah. life is never uh, that easy and okay so you moved to Barcelona in 2008 right mm -hmm. so you're a proper expat but I know that you don't like the word expat right but even you saying that Anna makes <laughs> my skin go cold why why don't you like it well for me 
expat, especially as a as a British person, has connotations caught up in colonialism, specifically India and Africa, where unfortunately Britain latterly has not had the best reputation. The image of these uh, sort of typical expat, uh, colonial expat, was you know wearing linen and you know very superior. The mothers would just be at home looking after the children they didn't work they were very privileged and that for me is the image of an expat I like to call myself an immigrant like everyone else going to different countries but there is a special connotation specifically for British people I think uh, also for Americans so I I try and shy away from from that word if I can but unfortunately we do have to use it sometimes because that's what that's what people recognize as a term for, for moving from one country to another so you are an immigrant by choice, right? You, yeah. cho- you chose to go to Barcelona, um, but you ha- and and that's so yeah, you have two kids, right? Yeah, and your kids are growing up as immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you didn't. You grew up in London, right? Or yeah. in the UK in in, in yes, London. It was London right? yeah. yeah. Will you tell us a bit about your uh, childhood and your growing up? Mm. I was very lucky. I had a great childhood. I think there's a there's a lot of um, information around today about how much your childhood impacts on adulthood, and it has in a very positive way. And I think that you know the most positive thing for me about my childhood was uh, my parents were laid back, and they made sure that my brother and I just had the opportunities to do what we wanted without pushing us. And by having that freedom, we were able to find our own way. And, you know, we did make mistakes on the way. But with that, you, you follow your own path. You don't get pushed into a corner and then suddenly 10 years later think, what am I doing here? Uh, so it's a slower start, but it's definitely a, a more enjoyable end. So, yeah, I grew up in London, uh, two parents who stayed together. They're no longer around, unfortunately. But, yeah, they had a, they had a great life, too. And I studied in London, went to a a public school, which is actually a private school, they're called public, but it's it's fee paying. Hated it, hated the structure of it, and left when I was sixteen to go to a, a state run school, which was much more fun. Then I studied in Wales. I studied at Cardiff University, um, European studies, which meant that we spent time in Spain and France, but also in the EU, in Luxembourg and Brussels. And it breaks my heart now to think of all that time and the work we did studying about being you know a part of this fantastic club that is the European Union that Britain is no longer part of it but I think and without getting onto that that could be a discussion for another day that's right yeah very different discussion yeah (laughs) and um you obviously your kids are having a very different childhood to the one that you had Mm. um and I think uh with with let's not say expats it's called immigrants that's that's Mm. that's I thought that we often have, right? I mean, I have the same. I grew up in Spain and I my kids grew up in, in London and now in Rome. Uh, I'm giving them a very different childhood to the one I had. Um, that's it. Has it that has it worried you? Has it um uh, how do you take it? What's your take on that? It is very different. And initially we didn't think too much about it because we thought it was going to be a temporary move. And obviously, when kids are young it's not so important about their environment. They just want to be with their mum and dad and they want that feeling of safety and being at home. But as they've got older, both of them struggled with the question that someone would ask and say, where are you from? Because being British with two British parents living in a country, which is obviously not 
where their parents were born is difficult for them to express. So I'd say, you know, just say um, that your parents are British, but you were brought up and they were born and brought up in Barcelona. And of course, they're going, they're saying, I don't want to say that. They just want a one word answer. So they they've really struggled with that. And you know, as much as they've had this amazing, I feel anyway, privileged childhood living close to the sea and the mountains and everything that Barcelona has to offer. I think it's only it's taken until they've become teenagers to really understand what exciting identity they have. You know, being being a citizen of Europe, being British, growing up in in a place like Barcelona and, and everything that Spain has to offer. And specifically with my my older child, my daughter, who's 16, she said to me the other day, she says, Mummy, I finally feel uh, this is my home. I finally feel like I'm from Barcelona. And that's all I'm going to say. And it's because she's at that age. She's, her peer group's really important to her culturally. She she has lots of references where she is. And she no longer feels that alignment with Britain. Uh, you know, maybe at Christmas and, and going back to see cousins, there's still that excitement. But I think when they get to that stage where where culture and music and, and arts becomes important then I think for children then they can find that connection. Does it make you sad that they don't have a strong connection with your birth country or not? Well they do and um, um, they used to love it specifically over Christmas because that meant you know presents Fun. and things yeah. and things like that um, but they both have been to uh, summer camps in both uh, Barcelona or Catalonia and the UK and it was very interesting afterwards asking them about which one they preferred and both of them said they did actually prefer it here because they just were able to relate to to others you know their contemporaries in a way they couldn't you know they don't watch the same tv programs they don't really dress the same even though the language they didn't have a problem with it's it's the colloquialisms as well that they struggled with and they just weren't familiar so they they even though they were british i think they actually felt foreign in Britain so it was kind of interesting uh but you know hopefully if they could try if they decide to go on and study there they'll they'll get the best of both um which is which is what they both expressed at the moment they quite like to do university education there so it'll be interesting to know after that whether they decide to stay there or come back that's always I think the worry or the concern of, of many um of many parents uh raising third culture kids right that the one feel from their they, they won't feel they, they they will feel that they don't belong to their birth country or the other country of their parents and they and that they will also feel that they don't belong to the country of of residence right yeah it, it is it is a real uh difficulty i think for both parents and children but certainly from my point of view and i hope my children will find this as as they get older is that you create your sense of belonging with the people that are around you you make those attachments and I would say actually it's probably only having been here 20 years I would say it's taken me a good it took me at least 10 years to feel like this was home because it takes a long time to put down roots and make solid friendships and and harder so as you become an adult you don't you don't have those connections through school or university or work um I did have my children here and I think that made a big difference because I would say that my 
my surrogate family, for want of a better expression, would definitely be those friends that have children the same age. And you you share, you know, those challenges that you go through when the kids are young, you bond with those those women in a, in a way that's incomparable to other, other experiences. Totally. The friends, you make, yeah, the friends you make when you live abroad, they are your family, right? They become yeah. your family. And on that note, having the kids in Barcelona, did you feel lonely at that time? Not having your, you know, your your family with you, your friends from ever next year. Yeah, it was strange. I mean, I went into motherhood slightly blindsided by what I was going to expect, um, and this really is is what happened with my, how Mama Broad was born. Because I went in there, you know, having no extended family around, really, you know, in a culture that wasn't my own, didn't really know how things worked, and and it was quite early on in my move it was only a couple of years after we moved so I didn't really have that many close friends and then I had a newborn and it was like okay now what do I do and really didn't have a clue about you know mother and baby groups I was quite naive so I decided to take you know take on board this challenge and create my own community so the loneliness was basically cancelled out by by this creation of mum abroad and I realized there were so many other women and and men as well fathers in this situation and it's difficult you know it's difficult to talk about things like loneliness when when it comes to motherhood because it's supposed to be the most joyous time in your life and then if you say well actually I'm not enjoying it I'm missing my family it's not what's cracked up to be you know it's difficult but then if you do say it and other people just endorse it it's it's incredible and you feel like actually it's okay to say this and it is Told to feel is, doesn't have to necessarily be the right thing. But you're totally right. I mean, because it's so you can't, you know, if you say, oh, I feel lonely when you have a, a, a little kid, right? Everyone thinks, oh, what's wrong with you? You shouldn't be feeling, yeah. you shouldn't be having those thoughts or those feelings. But, you know, I think becoming a new mom or a new, a new, a new parent is always tough. And when you are in a country that is not your own country, that loneliness is it's much tougher. And that, and the responsibility you have, you know, because in the end, when they say, you know, the saying of, you know, it takes a village, it's true. Yeah. And moms yeah. were not supposed to raise kids on their own. You were supposed no. to have your family around you, your friends, right? Uh, so doing it on your own is 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 very tough. And yeah. that's what I think. I mean, it's so wonderful that you said, okay, I'm not going to stay crying at home <laughs> with my newborn. I'm going to go <laughs> and create Mama Blood, which I think is amazing. Um so will you tell us a bit about Mama Broad? Yeah, so it was born from this um, situation, this unusual situation of being abroad, a new mum, not really knowing anyone and not having an extended family around. And uh, coincidentally, a friend of mine was also in that situation and she I had a little girl and she had a little boy. And my background is journalism and hers was in um, internet marketing. So we, we pooled our skills and created initially this really small website, which was called Barcelona Mum. Uh, because we thought we'll just attract other women in Barcelona who had newborns and it it sort of just like escalated really quickly and organically we thought oh I think we've got something here uh, so we extended it to the whole of Catalonia and before we knew it, it extended to to other places in Spain where there's a concentration of the international community so places like Andalusia, the Balearics Madrid the Costa Blanca and now we're also in France, Germany, and Italy. Um, again, in places where there's a, you know a big conglomeration of expats. To say that word, just <laughs> keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. So that's really how it happened. And as I mean, that was sort of 15, 16 years ago now. So 
as my children have grown, the site's also grown. So we started off you know, focusing on where can you go and breastfeed without, you know, people looking down on you or whatever. And where's it come to a place to do that too? To how do you get into university, you know, in Holland or wherever? So it has, it's sort of matured since it started, but we do also still deal with that you know, that the early days as well of being a mother. So it's it's kind of recover from every stage from you know, pre-birth to to university and getting your first job as well. And is a plan to go to more countries? Well, people often ask me that. And I think actually for now, we're pretty happy in these countries. We we are toying with Portugal. There was going to be one more country that would be Portugal because we've been approached several times now uh, to extend there. But I think what we prefer to do is really focus on the countries we're in and make sure that we consolidate there before we decide to expand further because it's it's ticking over nicely and that there's always new challenges within the countries that we have there's new areas that that people move to so we're always discovering um, new challenges so we don't we don't need the challenge of a new country it's more whether we feel we should because there's a there's a demand for it and I think it's I mean I think it's such a Great idea, and then so early in the in the online uh, world, right? Well, actually, I was thinking about this today because we yeah. we work a lot on SEO, which uh, I'm sure you know is a major challenge because every business has a website. But when we started it, you're absolutely right; it was one of the very first parenting websites. So we were constantly uh, top of page one of Google. It was amazing. It was like, oh my goodness, we're doing so well. Then of course there were a myriad of sites came in and we had to start working a lot harder about getting, getting our ranking on that page, but hadn't realized actually how pioneering it was at the time. Um, so looking back now, yeah, I am proud of the fact that we started at a time when, you know, ahead of, of, of you know, a lot of other businesses doing the same. No, I think it's brilliant. And and you also, carry um, a few years ago, I think it's 2020, that you published uh, a book, right, yeah. uh, called Living the Dream? Yeah, it's hashtag Living the Dream because it's oh, kind hashtag. of an ironic title. Yeah, the, you know, the Instagram <laughs> behind the shiny lens of Instagram that we see, you know, the cocktail, the painted toenails and the sand. That's the image that people have, don't they? Living the Dream. Totally. So, yeah. Totally. Uh, and I mean, the book is nine stories of nine women, uh, immigrant women, and they tell yeah. their story, right? And I think it's, I mean, I've I've read the book and I, I highly recommend it. It's um I love the the honesty and the the rawness and the it's it's it's, it's true, right? I mean, you 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 read you read the stories and you can relate uh yeah. because they are true and it's what many people uh that living abroad have we have gone through right i think it's it's highly highly recommendable this book i love it um i read your story and your story is uh it's full of grief right and and hope as well and 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 it shows how messy and how complicated life is at, at points and right and stages you managed to, you know, to you were raising your kids in Barcelona. Your parents um, died very sadly, uh, and you you were managing everything, right? Raising the kids, taking care of your of your parents, uh, working. How do you do that? Uh, and how do you feel during this time? 
Oh, there's a lot to unpack in that question there. And I'm not quite sure where to start. Um, just to, to go back a bit, the book came out of COVID. Like a lot of people had projects, their own sort of COVID projects. And this was mine. Finally, I had the space to write the book that we all have in us, right? So I think the rawness came from the fact that we were in a very challenging situation as well. And I think I wonder whether if I wrote it today, I'd be quite as open or okay. honest because there was a lot of sharing of kind of our inner and darkest thoughts during that time. And I managed to extract extract that also from the other writers. So it's, you know, it is, it is quite a rule book. You're absolutely right. And as for the the challenge of juggling kids who were, I mean, really small at the time, uh, you know, particularly small when my, my mum passed away and then my dad, she, she passed away very quickly. And then my, and the converse happened with my dad. He spent, 18 20 months suffering um he had cancer unfortunately so you know with with my mum it was sort of quick and a shock and I didn't deal with it until quite a long time later because with young kids you don't have that headspace at all to try and deal with something as seismic as losing your mother and you know I it's taken a process of which will be in a couple of months 10 years uh since she she passed away and I I'm I'm you know, I am now at ease with with losing her because she died quickly without suffering too much. And that I think that as a daughter, for, for most of us, that means quite a lot. My my father was very tricky because the kids, again, they were still young. They were around seven or eight, but he was in London and I was here. And I had to sort of give up the day-to-day, you know, rotors to school um, and shopping and, of course, work. But I would travel to London on the plane with my laptop on my knees and then get the tube in London, laptop on my knees and then sit with my dad in hospital with my laptop on my knees, obviously, you know, talking to him as well. And I just somehow managed to juggle keeping my head above water and and keeping my work going like that. But it was a bit of a blur. I would look back now and think, I I don't quite know how I did it really. Um, It wasn't, it was a very, very difficult time. And, you know, I, I, I know we'll probably talk about this in another time, but I think the hardest or one of the biggest challenges about bringing a family up abroad is when these kind of things happen. You know, when when you lose close members of family, whether they're ill or they die suddenly, is you just think, oh, I wish I'd been there more. I wish I'd had those long conversations. Um, I wish I'd had time to speak on the phone more instead of running around. And and that's really hard. But, you know, the more you, you talk about these things, the more you realise that actually sometimes it's the case whether you you live around the corner as well. Um, you know, there's no perfect situation, uh, but it's, uh, you know, it, it was very, very hard. But writing the book helped. It was a cathartic experience. And, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of come to terms with, with it now, but it wasn't easy. No, I bet it was very difficult. At one point, you say that you um, questioned your decision about moving abroad. Yeah. Right? Because I guess you were finding it so tough to to juggle everything. Yeah. Have you, has that, have you ever had a, a thought again or not? Well, it's interesting. And I think it was partly because of the situation with my parents, but it was also partly COVID. And I, I think we were all sort of all over the place with COVID when we were. We struggled with how we dealt with it. And my specific struggle was my sense of belonging. I felt like we all did. We felt isolated, but 
I felt this desire and need to, to be back in Britain during that time. It was really strange and compounded with um, just having just lost my dad and my mum previously, I did think, have I done the right thing? And I think as, as immigrants, we all go through stages of asking ourselves that because I think we don't. I, I don't think we're we're really you know um, comfortable with our path. We have to we have to be quite question as you go along whether it's the right thing. And I do now definitely feel it's the right thing. And, and a part of that is I just I mean I love the lifestyle. I love my community that I've created. Brexit hasn't helped. I I want to be um, in a country that's part of this brilliant club that is the EU. Um, I don't particularly enjoy the politics. Although I, I recognize it's not perfect anywhere. So yeah, and I just, you know, I think as one gets older as well, you you come a little bit more at ease with who you are and you stop questioning decisions in a way that you do maybe when you're a bit younger. Yeah. I listen, I'm I'm loving talking with you because you, I mean, so many of the things you, you say, I can I totally relate. I always have the feeling, for example, I don't know if it happens to you, whenever I go to Spain, you know, for a week or whatever to visit friends and family, I always feel that I'm disappointing someone uh, because there's all, only so, so many hours in the day that you can go and visit people, right? And then I always feel that I'm disappointing someone, that I'm letting someone down, that I haven't seen enough of, of my parents or my friends or my grandmother or my aunts, you know. And I always worry, you know, I, I'm very lucky that I still have one grandmother alive, right? Uh, will this be the last time that I see her? Do you have to do a bit of what I would call a friend's audit? You cannot possibly be able to see everyone all the time because the family is always the top isn't it and then it's the close friends and then slowly but surely those those friends that perhaps weren't as close you you just have to you know say look I'm really sorry I can't see you and you know you either see them once every few years or you decide that it's just going to be like a it's a whatsapp friendship and things like that um but I also I wonder whether you um have been victim of, of something that I alluded to in the book which is what I've described as toxic positivity in that when you're living in in something like Rome, which is very desirable, Barcelona equally so, and I've got friends in London, which doesn't, which sounds glamorous, but they're doing the commute and it's it's terrible weather. So they automatically presume that you know even during challenging times like COVID or or when you're having a difficult time generally that it's fine because you've got you know you've got the beach around the corner and you've got whatever it is, the sunshine and things like that, and that makes it harder as well I have actually experienced maybe you know a little bit of envy as well and and it's it, you know it's, as as I as we touched on at the beginning of this conversation it's it's not as people yeah. see hence the name of the book as well hashtag living the dream and I do you know I am very proud of what I've achieved I'm very happy here but I think people need to understand that it's not easy as well and you know there are challenges on the way I know we choke we take responsibility because we chose this path yeah. But it doesn't just land. No, that's the thing. there's moments of loneliness. There's moments yeah. of feeling of not finding your place, right? Of of feeling that you don't belong. Uh, of questioning if you're doing the right thing for you, especially when you have kids. Yeah, uh, you're doing the right thing for them. Uh, but I'm definitely seeing that that you're saying since I moved to Rome because every, everyone is oh Rome is fantastic, you know, yeah. an ice cream and a Trevi fountain, and you know I'm like I'm not always having you know eating pasta <laughs> by the fountain, you know. Exactly. <laughs> charming waiters, just <laughs> wishful thinking, right? Exactly. But you know, if you had to, if you have to 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 say that you know. 
biggest challenge you think you've had as an as a as an immigrant or that you think from your experience in mama abroad that people usually have what is the biggest challenge you think i think um aside from from the the difficulties of having your family in another you know another country when they get ill which we've touched on i think the biggest challenge is integration i i have come to terms with the fact that i will never be fully part of my environment because i wasn't born here mm. i speak the language although you know we're in catalonia so i should probably be speaking more catalan but <laughs> let's leave that side of things for now and you know i'm i'm essentially a foreigner in most people's eyes so even though i have good friends who from here i don't think i will ever be accepted in a way that hopefully my kids will be when they you know they form those really good relationships and that has been a challenge for for many years but i've I, again I've, i've come to terms with the fact that i think when you accept how things are then you get less frustrated from it and as we both said you know your your surrogate family is is the people that you have that you know have been with you along the motherhood journey and in my case they they just happen to be uh immigrants like myself um but i mean they could be spanish speaking immigrants got a lot of friends from south america um but but very few from here and i think that for me has been a really big challenge on the way and i think people need to be aware of that yeah i mean i i can certainly relate to that and very often you know people will say uh things like you know when i was living in london for example or 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 foreigner friends that i have living in madrid for example and they would say oh people from london are very are very close they don't open up to new yeah. people or people in madrid are very close And I always say the same thing. I'm like, when you are living in your country, right, in your city, you usually have all your friends from all your life. You're not looking for new friends. When yeah. you are an expat or an immigrant, you are the one looking for friends. Yeah. Um, so it's much more so, you, so it's much more difficult to get into into the native, you know, into the the people from that country because they they're not looking for new friends. They have a life. So exactly. Yeah. I don't see them as being closed or not or you know unfriendly. It's just they don't need more friends. No. Yeah. Do you think that when you um live abroad, does it make you more of a loner? Hmm. Because you're used to being maybe spending more time on your own. Yeah. Or more But, independent, maybe. That's yeah. I I I was about to say because loner sounds slightly negative and independent yeah. sounds positive. Yeah. So I would say yes. I'm I'm definitely. I've always been independent, so I think that's probably how I'm here. Uh, I think it does take generally a certain type of person to make a move when you're being proactive you know you have immigrants that are working here because their company has moved over or you have someone like myself who's you know I think we're termed lifestyle immigrants of which there are many now of course um in the form of digital nomads mm. and yeah and I think you're as as you achieve more by yourself you you gain a lot of confidence from that and therefore you you can become very independent I don't feel like I need to rely on anyone which I think is quite healthy to a certain extent my husband might say <laughs> yeah but you know that's good to have that that sort of solidity about yourself um because because of the the journey that you've been on so yes yeah do you think you, you become more selfish as well because you have less responsibilities towards other people Yeah, well, that's a very interesting question because us women, we're we're told that we should be more selfish, right? Yeah. And actually, I am now beginning to embrace that more and more. So, I, when you say the word 
the word selfish, it would formally for women mean something negative, wouldn't it? But actually, yes, I probably am. But and I'm enjoying that because we should all we all need to be more selfish because then we'll feel more fulfilled. It doesn't mean that you neglect people, but you just you give it some balance that, you know, previously we might have just thrown everything in there and forgotten who we are and what we want. And it's much healthier for everyone all around if you if you're a bit more selfish. I know totally. I was I was yeah. um chatting the other day with um with we're doing a podcast with Susie Wolf. Um and we're talking about this, just finding a space to make things that make you happy. Because at the in the end, if you are as a mother, if you're happy as a person, you will be a better mom, right? And I remember um one time that a friend phoned me and she said, How are you, Anna? And I said, Oh, Oh, great. You know, the kids are good. Alejandra is good. And she said, no, 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 no. I'm asking about you. Because very often I think women, we define ourselves depending on how everyone around is, around is, right? And yeah, and also we thinking. don't admit, we don't want to admit maybe we are feeling lonely or whatever. So it's easier yeah. just to say everyone else is fine. So did you answer her question then? I did actually, but I had to think about yeah. it for a bit. How how was I? How was I? I think I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Good. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think I think these days um, people are being much more honest about how we feel, right? And yeah. and our feelings and our emotions. Whereas years ago we used to be very close, and everything had to be perfect, and we didn't talk about mm-hmm. emotions, particularly I think around motherhood. Uh, yeah. Whereas now I think we're much more open to say actually. I love my kid, but I'm not loving being a mom, right? Mm-hmm. Or I love my kid, but I'm struggling. Or yeah, so those things I think are much more. Yeah, the- and also because yeah. a lot of women that are saying that they've had um, professional lives prior to having children, so they're used to earning their own money, um, you know, having their own time, and having you know that reflective glory that having a good career gives you. And suddenly you're beholden to a, a small thing that. I mean, let's face it, it doesn't give you much back. As they get older, you suddenly say, oh, I now remember why people said it's great to have kids. But at the beginning, it's like, why are we doing this? So, but it's difficult because we're supposed to be, as we said, loving this gorgeous period with our with our newborn. And But at least now, as you say, there are conversations out there. So we're less, we're less embarrassed about talking about it. Totally. Will you see yourself growing old in, in Barcelona? I think so. I would have to make sure that my, you know, small posse of friends who are here at the moment have to. We all have to make a pact to stay here because I think, you know, as one gets older, you you need that that contact even more so. Do you? Is it your kids leave home, and your friends are everything. So I I can't say for sure. I would hope that I would, and but if not, I would actually also be quite happy going back to the UK a little, a little cottage on the on the Cornish coast I think I could do as well as long as I've got some woolly jumpers <laughs> so I don't know I don't know yet but I, I'd like to think so I'd say 70% yes okay so you know you don't make long-term long-term plans from what I know no no it terms best that's as far as I'll go <laughs> and do you think would you like the kids to stay in Barcelona I think eventually, I think if I stay here, it's always lovely, isn't it, to have your kids nearby. But what I would love them to do is obviously go out and, and see the world first, whether it's studying abroad or traveling. Uh, we grow so much from those experiences. But I would love them to 
come back here because it would mean that that gamble that we were talking about initially about moving abroad and and bringing up your kids and that gamble would have paid off and it was the right decision and they do do see all the the kind of the benefits and the joys of, of living in a place that I love so much but obviously it doesn't mean just because I love it the kids will but you know you hope that eventually that that does pay off. What do you think is the main benefit of, of living abroad? Which one would you say? Um, the main benefit, well, for me, I would say, and it, it probably depends very much on each individual, is that I am having to constantly be challenged in a career way that I think if I was in London, there would have been a natural progression. I think things come to you uh, more easily because you're in an environment that's familiar. Whereas here, you you really have to make your inroads to to make an impact, and what I think some people would probably hate that, but I love that. I love those challenges of trying to think about, you know, how can I make money doing this, or how can I be creative doing that, and I love that. And I think if I was in London, I would I wouldn't be doing it in a way that I am now. And to finish, Carrie, if I was a uh, you know a new mum uh, thinking to move to, to moving up to move abroad, what would you be? What would be your tip for me? If as a new mum, I think really is just to always stay as open minded as possible. Don't have any preconceptions about what your life's going to be. Embrace the challenges that come your way. Try and enjoy every moment as much as you can, because as we know, as mothers, time passes ridiculously quickly. I still feel I've got a one and two year old and they're on the cusp of going to university and thinking, how did that happen? And, And also, I would say, just don't be afraid also to talk about how you're feeling if you're having a rubbish day. It's okay. Pretty much all of us have been through it. Absolutely. So, Carrie, we wish you and your family all the best. We hope that you um, enjoy for many years to come uh, your life as an immigrant. Uh, We hope that Mama Broad continues to grow and and either stay in the country that it already is or 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 go, you know, to many places. Uh, But all the very, very best. And thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you, Anna. It's been a delight speaking to you. Thank you.